Hey, welcome to Steve McGrath's Basecraft. It's 2021. Thanks for joining me again in the new year. Uh, what did I do for Christmas? I did absolutely nothing and it was fantastic. I drank too much, I ate too much, I watched too much TV and I played a lot of video games. And now I'm back in my shed, like I said. Um, yeah, I don't really do New Year's resolutions, that kind of stuff. I kind of, it, All year round I have goals like, that are, pro, are moving forward. So my goal at the moment is I'm going to fire out the podcast every week for the first two months of the year. Um, this kind of makes it harder though when I actually am putting my goals out there into the world because I, I kind of have a bit more pressure to get them done but anyway I'll just do it so yeah I'll get a podcast out every week for the first two months um I was think looking back at 2020 and I think apart from the podcast the thing I enjoyed the most was I produced a bunch of songs for young rock bands and two rock bands in my hometown and uh, that was awesome really enjoyed that process so I really want to up my upskill in terms of using the DAW and all that production stuff. So I'm focusing on that now at the moment. I'm trying to write songs every day and learn more about that. And it really will benefit my bass playing because I have this MIDI keyboard here and I'm playing around on it. And I'm starting to see the chords and the, diff the way the notes fit into different chords better than how I... Like I have a pretty good knowledge of theory, but I think the more I'm writing this stuff, I'm hearing different things and doing different things on the keyboard than I ever would with the bass in my hand. So for 2021, I want to improve my production skills and I want to grow this podcast and YouTube channel. So it really would help me if you could share this, like, subscribe, all that stuff. And um, I know I didn't mention any bass playing there in my goals for the year because I'm still trying to figure that out. I, I, I'm in a weird place with that at the moment. But um, I'm going to talk more in depth about that in my next vlog. Uh, so... Yeah, let's just jump straight into the podcast and introduce today's guest, Eleanor Riley. She really is an Irish giant of the bass. She's done a lot already for someone so young. She's won a bass scholarship. She's a successful session musician on the London scene. She writes for Bass Player magazine. And uh, she also is a class singer as well as playing the bass. So if you're looking for singing lessons or bass lessons or anything like that, hit her up and um, she'll start you out for some kind of Zoom lessons. Um, all the info about Ellen is on ellenoreilly.com and I put all her links down below including a link to her she's doing like a function van at the moment the odd mollies so all those links are down below so let's just jump in yeah I love that you have two bases that are worth than the 20 bases on my wall I've never played one they, they, they look the business anyway They've only got one in um, Keith Duffy brought me to a music shop in um, in Dublin before. It's a small one, not not music maker or any of those big ones. It's like uh, a small some neck, is it? Some neck, that's the one. Yeah. And they had a Sandberg. They had a left hand Sandberg there, and uh, they've had it there for for years. They said you couldn't get rid of it, and I was like, why? Sandbergs are amazing. What's wrong with you? you know <laughs> what I mean, They're absolutely class. So you picked it. You're a lefty. I didn't even cop that. On bit. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. Oh. But oh. I was just, I'm, I'm just saying the fact that they had like a Sandberg that they couldn't sell that I was just amazed by that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably wouldn't be, even though it's a big brand, it doesn't have the same name recognition as like Music Man or Fender or something like that, that people yeah. would, they'd see and they'd buy it like, you know. Exactly. But I don't really care class. about brands anymore myself, like anything, 
uh, like I have a lot of squares or any old yoke will do really at this stage. <laughs> squares are great though. Yeah. You know, uh, like the some of them are are. I mean, I think the Japanese squares tend to be a bit better than the American squares. Mm. They're almost they're like just as good as like a American, you know, standard. Mm. You know? Yeah, but I think a lot of stuff you do kind of you do a lot of kind of Stevie Wonder and uh and you're in a function band, the active bass is probably better for that, like gives yeah. that a good sound for that kind of thing. I do an awful lot of random stuff. <laughs> I know. Like, I've been watching your comedy for the last few days. Have I you? Fo- I found a bunch of videos on YouTube. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit crack. rude. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking, I don't know what this girl is like, and then I, I saw your comedy say, Ah, oh, she won't mind me cursing her or anything oh. I see. Grand. I grand. fucking curse all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the comedy. Have, have you done a bit more of that this year since obviously the music wasn't happening in the same level it usually would? Uh, yeah, well, well, the comedy went as well, you know, because mm. um, I got to do one in Drawda ages ago with because me and Joe Rooney are good mates. Um, and then he told me, oh, I've got this other gig in Roisin Doves in Galway just before Christmas. And it's with Carl Spain. Oh, I know you Carl. Know I mean? love Carl. He's a, he's a legend. He's a legend. And, and I was like, oh, my God, yeah. So so did that like just this week. And it was brilliant. We did two sets in the day and it was absolutely class. Me and Joe wrote a little song together as well. Like I, I uh, <laughs> we wrote like a, a skit on last Christmas, but we call it last syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> so last Christmas, I gave you the clap. And the very <laughs> next day, you gave it to Ray. This kind of shit, you know. Nice. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to record that as a little video for Christmas uh, soon. So. But cool. That that was the last thing I did really, but loved it. I loved doing yeah. stand up. Uh, is it like something? I suppose. Well, mo- everyone listening to this will be musicians. Is there any kind of correlation between getting a a set together for a comedy and getting a set together for a band or, like? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, really? because like, I mean, I remember I did this thing with with Joe and because he's been doing stand up comedy for like thirty years or something mad, and yeah. and so he can go into a room and say all right, these are all older people. I can't, not too many cock jokes, you know? <laughs> Two or, cock jokes, max. <laughs> yeah, or unless you're talking about cockerels. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Couple of farmers there. Let's talk about marrying your cousin. This kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or or if it's a younger crowd, you can say anything you want. Mm. And like, and I got into stand-up comedy because um, two years ago I had cancer. So like, like I, I had a whole year of treatment. Like I yeah. had like, seven months of chemotherapy, a, a month of radiotherapy operations I was bald all of that and the only way the only thing that kept me going was to take the piss out of it you know yeah so, it's cathartic yeah. isn't it just to make fun of it like absolutely so I had this little whatsapp group with my friends back in Ireland uh, and I called it tumor humor so <laughs> and, and that's where a lot of the material came from and and and, and also when, when you're that sick the amount of people that are all like oh you should come off chemo and 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 just oh, drink pomegranate that's juice the worst, and, isn't it? <laughs> and you're like well i'm because there's four stages of cancer i was stage stage four is like pretty much you're gone i was mm. stage three you know yeah that's very seriously yeah so i was like i don't think i'm going to come off chemo lads i'll no. try the pomegranate juice but like i did the cannabis oil but that was mostly for the crack <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you probably got the wrong stuff without any thc and you're like oh this is no good <laughs> Oh no, I got the I got the proper stuff, man. I, I had a lad growing his own, you know. So it's like, don't get the Holland Holland bar stuff. Doesn't doesn't it's it's all good for you. And yeah, it'll it's help CBD you sleep. only. There's no THC in it. There's no crack. <laughs> There's no, no crack. Yeah. But no one's gonna arrest you. Like, fix sake, I've cancer. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need all the crack I can get. You know? 
Uh, so you got is that your one 15 minute set that I saw online or have you another few 15 or minute uh, sets in the works like well like, when I, when I, I started doing comedy like a year ago and uh, it was kind of like a reaction to all the, the the crap that had happened to me so basically it's basically like my, my dad died three years ago then I had a breakdown then I had cancer then I had a big massive breakup and and then the cat died and all this shit Oh, and God. like it, it was just it was one of those Murphy's Law like everything was just yeah. going wrong three years of like it happens in trees it was just three years of just constant shit I remember one day I came back uh, to my gaff and my car had been towed away in Camden because I lived in London for nine years yeah my car was towed away and it was 250 quid per day to get your car back and it happened to me twice that week so oh that God. one week and I'd lost a gig I had for years as well and I came back and it was because I used to play in these um, request venues all across London. And, I saw uh, that. Yeah, it looks like a, a really hard gig. Like it's like you're. It's almost like karaoke with an actual band playing the song. Exactly. Except we don't actually know what song we're playing. You know, it can be literally any song. So you just have. I mean, it, it. You just had to have a really good ear. You know. Yeah. And my ear, I'm hearing went worse, but my ear went better because <laughs> <laughs> basically, like. People would just make yeah, there was all these like napkins on all the tables that had mm. like print out your name, the song, a tip, comment, whatever. So people would give us t- we we got a set wage and also tips, and like um we had to play for like four and a half hours a night, you know, and it'd be like three shifts in the day because in London it was like you know it's non-stop music everywhere. Because I, mm. I was I remember talking to my friend Brian from Keela, another bass uh, player. Brian Hogan, yeah, I know him, yeah. Yeah, and I remember saying to him, "Oh, we should do something like that in in, in Dublin and all that." And he was like, "I don't know if it'll work." And because it's like twenty four hour like live music, it, it could. I don't know. We'll it's see what the world's yeah. like after this. I think plague people will be gone. absolutely gagging for live music after this. So anything will yeah. work. Like exactly. So like people would make requests, and the band was always led by a singing piano player. So it'd be, they'd be like, they had piano shells to make it look like they were grand pianos, but there was actually like electric like Yamaha you know weighted yeah. key things yeah, yeah. inside it you know and then there'd be a drummer behind some plexi and it'd be guitarist and bass player together and if if one of them could sing they'd have a mic so i sing so i have a mic as well mm. and then there'd be a bit of brass on the other side so you know and the very the odd occasion where i have a bit of percussion but like um and we'd all have like little uh our own little personal little desk where our iams so we could dial in whatever we need to you know and um all this kind of crack and and whoever and so one person would be singing while the other person was kind of like looking up the chords or whatever they didn't mm. know song or having a listen because you have they'd have their ipads in front of them and then it'd be connected <laughs> by their iams it was all very technical that's crazy yeah so they'd be like oh i don't really notice i'll have a quick listen i'll have a look at the chords because they could mute it and practice mm. it while the other person's playing and then bam you're on okay this song's going out to clarice you know silence and of the lambs just, whatever and, ha- and then obviously you're like a ninja for changing keys you have to just find the key the person decides to sing it in yes exactly because they they change the key depending on you know and that would be a pain in the hole if you're because it was a four and a half hour long gig your back would be in bits and i was playing music bands back then Mm. and then then i got hooked up with sandberg and it was a game changer but you know trying to play living on a prayer riff in c sharp yeah (laughs) so so nine nine times out of ten if it was like a real riffy based like um just a small town girl anything like that that really required like the open e yeah um if the piano player couldn't sing it i'd be like i'll sing it you know what i mean yeah don't make me change the key yeah if it's too 
I mean, you could do it, but it was just like, oh, it wasn't right. And then, and then, then you're, then you're doing that in C sharp, and you're like, holy shit, where does it go from here? Then when it goes to the key change up the yeah the minor third, all right, oh, great, quick, what's oh, E minor then? You know, God, but, that is you. That must have like made, brought your bass playing to like a serious next level. That gig alone, like, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. But I was playing there like four and a half hours, sometimes two, three, two or three shifts in a day, and. And it was like four or five nights a week, you know, and then there would be weekend brunch gigs as well. So it was mm. constantly. And um, and I did that for four years. And then but after after cancer and everything, they just did new management and got rid of got rid of a lot of the old guys. Really? So that was the end of your your gig there for good, like? Yeah. So it was oh, like I... I'm I'm fucking depressed because you because you get comfortable in a gig that you've had for years mm, yeah. and you let everything else go like. Well, living in London, you need a, a good gig to survive, like. Yeah, exactly. And I just kind of like, oh, I let it go. I let all the other stuff I had go and go. And then, mm. but it all, you know, a lot of it came back and then, you know, and then we all got the plague then. <laughs> so. <laughs> so this is not too far in the past when you lost this gig. Yeah. Yeah. It was last year. It was, yeah. it was like, yeah, it was, it was like, like after I went into remission from breast cancer, then me and my partner seven years split up. And then he just left and moved off to China. Oh my and God. then, and then I was a nightmare to be around. So the management were like, well, I was just going through a load of shit, yeah. like, you know? And so yeah. they just, they got, they got rid of a load of the older heads that were there mm. for, for years, because I think because we were there before the new MD came in and the new heads came in, we were a bit like, actually, no, that's not how it's done. And I think they just were like, we'll just get rid of them and get people in who will just go, yeah, okay, we'll do whatever you want. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm sure there's a silver lining. Like you might, if you didn't lose that gig, you'd look back in 20 years and go, I shouldn't have stayed in that comfortable gig for so long. Yeah, you can get too comfortable. Like, yeah, you're very in, comfortable. Yeah, like a few musician friends of mine were always would say, to, one, of them, one of them, one of my best friends, she always said to me, like, you shouldn't be. I mean, in that, at that gig, it's not like you're going to, your career is going to progress really because yeah. it's just punters coming to it. It's not like, you could be getting a, a tour or or some original stuff going on, mm. or you could be getting in on the West End scene or whatever. And and luckily after that happened, uh, I I got a call out of the blue. Like I totally believe like in like what's for you won't pass you by because suddenly yeah. out of the blue I got a call from this musical director composer guy, brilliant musician called called Felix Hagen, and he's like a multi instrumentalist mm. and he's the poshest guy in the world, but he's amazing. And um. He's got a great band called Felix Hagen and the family. Should check them out. Really kind of happy, good lucky rock pop, glam pop stuff. And he started writing this musical with these com- comedic actors, you know. Um, and they launched this musical theatre show called Operation Mincemeat, which was all about um, World War II, about that Irish homeless guy, corpse. Yeah, that they- you emailed me. I was like, oh, I actually know about that. I saw a little mini documentary about it once. Yeah, it's but it's so... It's true, but it's so bizarre. Like, so they wrote this comedy musical about it and they needed a band and they they asked me like, and it was just walking into that. And I, and, I mean, that will come back as well. I was actually mm. just talking to the MD this morning and um, there's tentative dates with the wait about cool. this virus. But There's no videos of it on YouTube though. I was trying to check out the music from it, but they haven't uploaded that yet, have they? No, well, they, they won't because there's two, there's two songs on Spotify on the Spit Lip Productions Spotify. Mm. Um, but they're keeping it all under wraps because the company, the, the show has been taken on by Avalon, which is like a massive uh, like entertainment. They, they have loads of famous comedians and yeah. famous shows like uh, all like all like between New York and London. 
like Broadway, West End, mm. all this kind of stuff. And they're taking it. We were off West End with, and we had a couple of months in that theater and then a couple of months in that theater or whatever. And, and we were, and what, what, the, what they're doing now is they're going to bring it, to, they're going for what's called a West End transfer. So musical theater shows, they start off in these small theaters, then they go off West End. Mm. So they're just, they're a bit closer by, but yeah. a bit more football, a bit more crowd. Uh, and then the next stage is to get the transfer and go West End. And that's the plan. Really? And then once you get West End, you could be in there for years. You'll have a nice cushy. And the pay is good, isn't it? Being in the pit in those, in those musical yeah. shows. Oh yeah, I've got friends who who've done Phantom of the Opera, um, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, Mamma Mia. A friend of mine was in the Bat Out of Hell, uh, mm. show, um, and then another friend, my friend Neil, uh, he he was uh, in We Will Rock You. Mm. I did I did the wedding singer here in Tipperary with local productions, Grey Crack. Yeah, I, it's good for your reading as well. I'm terrible at reading, so it was like, yeah. I was just like, oh, how am I going to do this? So I learned most of it by ear. And then I kind of, during the show, I, you know, you're, I still knew what was happening, but I, it was kind of half reading, half remembering it. But I, I, I got through it grand. Yeah, I, I uh, my reading was a lot better when I was in uni because I went to the ICMP in London. And then after that, just very rare gigs you'd have to really read. And mm. I did this, Stevie Wonder tribute thing show theater show and it was just all reading like and I was just like oh god I just had to take it home and kind of remember okay uh one one he had a two he had a one ticket remember yeah. all the stuff you know and then Stevie Wonder especially the early Stevie Wonder when James Jamerson was around no baseline is the same like no like Nate Watts okay that's all complicated as well but it's pretty much all pentatonic crack and the shapes know? as well jameson throws in like these chromatics or an open string you're like oh i wasn't expecting that <laughs> exactly and ghost notes and all this and, and nothing's the same so when it was like the early stuff like for once in my life i'd be reading it going i'm just <laughs> if i just improvise some of it will anyone notice and nobody noticed hey it sounds great just like jameson i'm like yeah that's because i'm making it up just like he did <laughs> <laughs> you know? just a little little like slinky bits and stuff yeah we're on the p base for that gig obviously to get the jameson sound uh, no, this space, this Sandberg has uh, because when I was doing the the uh, request venue stuff, um, we had to play and it would be any song, any key. So it's I had to get a bass that was light. So they they made this for me, like so. It's really um, oh, yeah, you have a few endorsements, right? Is it Sandberg, Mark Bass, Music Man, and Zoom? Yeah. Are they your Zoom? Your, yeah, your I, I really should do more with Zoom. With the They're, videos. Oh, Zoom are a brilliant company. I have a load of their stuff here, like all the little. You know the recorder things. I've got about three the H ones and H twos, all the different things. Yeah, I've got some of them, but I've also got that Q, that, that the one that um. Oh, the video and Zoom, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got that. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll do loads of stuff. With that. I, I, I really should. Out, <laughs> I think they came out with a new thing recently. It's like um, it's like a little mini mixer, so people can like record videos on their phone for YouTube, but they're not shite. So it has like two little knobs on it. And you can use it as a direct in kind of thing. I saw oh, some wow, guys using it. It was really cool. Because, you know, I hate oh. that when you're on, when you watch people doing bass videos and they're using the phone audio. You're like, oh, it's pointless because it doesn't pick it up. But it, it, it's some cheap thing they brought out that you can just get a good sound with your bass. Oh, I must check that out. Oh, you're the one. You're, you, they, they'll send you I know. one to try out. <laughs> I know. I've kind of lost touch with them. Well, I went from Music Man to, to Sandbrick. So I was with Music Man. For and how does years. that work? I'm sure people listening are interested to know how oh. this endorsement thing worked. Is it you? Oh, you have right. to choose one, or can you be with a few? And 
uh, it depends on the company, right? So, um, like, how it all started was, like, 10 years ago, uh, like, I was playing in, in, I was doing the all original thing, and I'm playing the function part, I'm doing all that in Ireland, but I just, and at the same time, I, I had a day job of working in labs and stuff, and I hated it. All I mm. wanted to do was gig and play bass. And have Lab, oh, you studied science, did you, in college? Yeah, the first yeah. time I went to college, and I was like, and it was kind of like, oh, I'll do this because I'm good at biology and I'll get loads of money so I can afford a load of gear. <laughs> Same, <laughs> so yeah, I was doing it. That's the same as me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was doing it just to live for the, for the gig, gig. Like, yeah. And I, and I was just depressed. And then when the whole, you know, crash came in 2008, nine, whatever, they were like, oh, we'll, we're giving everyone a, a redundancy package. And everyone was like, going, oh, there's a lab there. There's a lab there. And I was like, no, I'm going to take this package and I'm going to feck off to London. That's <laughs> been my dream. Right. Yeah. You know, because all my favorite like accession players and like John Paul Jones and all my favorite fans and all that were kind of like all around London, you know. And uh, so, um, so that's what I did. So I was, I, I, I was religiously reading Bassist magazine at the time, which yeah. then became Bass Guitar magazine, right? Jo- Joel, is, is that the editor? Joel, Joel MacGyver, yeah, MacGyver, editor, yeah. yeah. So he, so now it's coming Bass Player UK, mm. um, magazine because Bass Player in America has been going for years and now they've joined forces you know uh so um so i saw i advertised oh a scholar, you know scholarship program i knew i wanted to go to that college for years mm. the icmp because like a lot of my favorite bass players went there like i mean nick fife from jamaica and a whole load of heads like mm-hmm. reef went there cool in the 90s like i love cool shaker and reef and all that and they all mm. went there and i was like that's the place i want to go and then i remember seeing a picture of uh of of neil from black sabbath like teaching you know what I mean and and white snake and all that like who I'm now friends with but I remember just seeing pictures of Neil going I could get taught by him that's class that so is I class wanted, yeah wanted to go there and then um uh and I saw the scholarship thing come up and I was like oh I don't know if I'll go for it but I was like sure what have I got to lose so I went for it and I had to like do a, a video like a base comp- composition video three minutes write a big essay all this kind of stuff about my experience and what I wanted to get out of college and all that. And I was just like, I want to be a session player, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent that in and I made the final and then I went over to London for the final and it was me against like five lads and we had to go in and do a five, we had to do it like an interview stage with like a panel, you know? So it was the head of um, Music Man Guitars because it was being awarded by Music Man. Mm. Um, the head of bass at the college and uh, the old editor of, of Bass Guitar Magazine. And, and they were all just sitting in front of me and I'm like, that's, yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It was like X factor for bass, you know? Yeah. I, I, I failed my first uh, college. I, I didn't do music in college, but when I was just after I finished secondary school, I applied for a FETAC course in Cork and I was like, oh, I'm going to go play this Bach piece. And I went down and did a terrible version of some Bach piece and they never called yeah. me back. I was like, ah, maybe music isn't for me. So, oh no, just nonsense all that like just do it i mean you know because you can be your own worst enemy and talk yourself out of stuff yeah you know it's like ignore that voice you know so um so i went in i had to do a five minute bass solo <laughs> right so i had a and i was self-taught really i didn't you know so i had like a loop pedal and i did some chordal stuff i love chords and bass i'm a big stew ham fan yeah me you know? too it's great i love the tense i think the tense sound better on a bass than any other instrument a root and a tent like yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Yannick Guzdala does a lot of stuff like that as mm. well. It's gorgeous. Like, um, so I loved all that. And, and so I did this kind of chordal thing, I percussive thing, built it all up and then kind of soloed over it. And, and then I won the scholarship, which meant that I got to do the higher diploma over there. 
for free. It was paid for by Music Man. And then, and then they also offered me an endorsement then. And uh, so then I had, was getting like, I got a free bass over there in the corner. And then I got like a Stingray, like, and because they were like, what, what, kind, what one would you not want? Yeah. We can give you the bongo, we can give, give you this one, or we can give you the Stingray. And I was like, give me a Stingray, like, you know. Yeah, you need to use it, like. Yeah, and then like, like free strings for ages and all that. And, uh, Brilliant. And then, and then from there, I got to perform at the bass guitar show, London bass guitar show every year then, um, uh, on the Music Man stand, you mm-hmm. know. And like I do chordal stuff and sing over because I was like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to do mental slap top madness because yeah. I mean, that's not really me thing. I mean, yeah, I anyway, do it, people but... get sick of hearing that anyway. It's like Especially all you hear is like everywhere slapping and popping and mad. Stuff. Yeah. And no, you know, I mean, what gig will you get with that? Like, you know, so I was like, I'll just showcase what I can mm. do. And I sing, you know, so I did all this chordal stuff and sang over it. And yeah, it was mad. And then um, so that's how I got the Music Man endorsement. And then through like going to uni at the ICMB and then hitting all the like London jam sessions and then just doing random gigs, all kinds of gigs that, that, you know, you kind of get to know people and there's a big network and then that's mm. how you get like, Oh, you get a tour with this person or you get yeah. some gig there. You might get to do a bit of TV stuff or whatever. And then people get the more gigs you do, no matter what gig, big or small, people remember you and then recommend you for things. And then that's mm. how I got the whole Sarah Harding from girls allowed thing. I mean, that came from someone recommending me who I did a, wedding gig with you know yeah because in london it's all they all do everything you know and then um uh so that was that with music man and then when i was doing the request thing uh my shoulder was just hurt so much and i went back to the music man and says look if you got any lighter and they were like well we've got the caprice space which is lighter but it's a bit neck heavy and mm. and it's passive and i was like i need a bit more variety and then a friend of mine was like no come and talk to sandberg you know and mm. i met holger who is the CEO of Sandberg and I got talking to him and he was like, I'll tell you what, we can, we can build you a base. <laughs> so, and I was like, okay, well I have, because I, I'm not like, um, like a massive gearhead. I just know what I like, you yeah. know, and I like variety, as much variety as I can get out of one instrument. Cause I, I don't want to be faffing about with switching from this base to that base, you know, three exactly. bases I think should just do you like, you know, a good four string, a good five string and a fret, you know, I, I would no. say four. I, lo- I love the short scale. I only got one oh, last, short scale. last year for the first time and I play it more, probably as much as any of the other ones I have. Actually, I have a short scale. I've got, I lie, I've got the Fender Signature Stu Ham, the Urge 2. Oh, I don't know that, that one. All right. It's, it's kind of like the first signature model Fender brought out mm. for, for musicians. That was like, it's like, it's like, I don't know, 20 years old or something. Like, no, it's from the eight, 1991. So it's a lot older. I'm really shit at maths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a musician. I can count to four. You know? Yeah, that's all you need to get a gig anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's a, that's a short scale bass. But but the thing about that bass is it's everything smaller. The body's smaller and all. Because I tried to get San, Holger at Sandberg to make me a short scale. And all he did was he took he took this back and he, and he, and he brought it. I went to Germany to see what was happening. Like, mm. And uh, he put in a short scale neck, grand. But it was mad wide here. It was like a, it was like a surfboard because he had to have it fit in with the body. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. So then that didn't work. So I just no. said, oh, just give me my, give me my original neck, but I want it shaved down. So what he did was like, in front of my eyes, he took it off, like, and clamped it down and filed it all the way down, like this radius. You, you, you don't like I, when you get Sandberg, you kind of get a little bit more of a standard. They do custom jobs, but mm. you get more of a standard kind of C shape, yeah, uh, radius. 
right? But I like to get right in and I like to have a really, really, really ridiculously low action. Like, I mean, that's that, yeah, I wouldn't have it that low. I play an Aerodyne for my gigging mainly, like, and that has a very small tin neck on it. Like, that's a nice light bass as well. Yeah, it's really light, it's class actually. Yeah, so uh, so I said all this to Holger and he said, Okay, what we'll do for you, he came back to me and he says, We could do you an ash body, we can chamber it, so it's chambered inside. Mm. Um, we can give you like obviously like if you got a, a P style pickup and a J style pickup, you know you got that split and and a single coil, you're gonna get way more variation, right? Mm-hmm. In tone, and also you got a push pull mechanism between when it's pulled, it becomes passive and then that becomes just your tone control. So almost like a vintage P, push in becomes active, and then it becomes you know uh, uh, back pickup, middle pickup for that one, and then blend. I think nice. you have the you hit the sweet spot on that bass because I have um the sire behind me and has like eight knobs or something and it's just like crazy. How could you use them in a gig? Like it, that's perfect. You have like four and a push pull, but any when you get to like eight or nine switches and knobs on a bass, I think it's too much. Just like confusing. I think it's totally unnecessary. And then also I wanted a hip shot D tuner, so I've yeah. got that as well. Yeah, I have one on my. <laughs> I, I put one on my Airdyne, really handy, and you can do some um show some messing with it like you know if a song finishes in well e or d e has to be the key you can kind of wobble <laughs> exactly and people yeah. in the crowd are like what the hell did he just do and you're just pulling on it yeah exactly and then it's like oh i have to quickly tune back up because it always goes slightly off when you go back to e like yeah i just put on the fuzz yeah. pedal you wouldn't notice it being out of tune but what level were you, was your theory at when you got that scholarship like what because you were saying you were self-taught did you it have was... much knowledge like I mean, like I did school, I did music for the Leaving Cert, but I didn't actually do it for the Junior Cert because, you know, I, I, what is it with the Irish? I don't know if it's in every school in Ireland, but it tends to be like you can only have one arts thing. So you mm. can either do art, like painting and drawing and all that, or music. And yeah. I, I, I'm an art, I like painting and all that crack as well. So I was like, well, I want to do that. Well, I also want to do that. And I remember for my Leaving Cert, my dad kicked up a fuss because my dad was a great musician like and he went mm. in and said, no she's doing both so i was like the only person in the whole school that was allowed to do both like <laughs> that's class you know so so i actually had one extra sub- subject because i still had to do all the other things so i mm. had extra you know i have very mixed opinions on the syllabus for leaving certain music because I, I have a lot of private students and they literally don't learn anything practical like they wouldn't know like chord degrees like the one two all that the stuff you use when you're actually in a band they, they don't learn any of that stuff that's actually practical. I understand learning the music history. That's important, but they don't seem to learn any practical things in the whole syllabus. So I, I don't yeah. know. They have to rejig exactly. it, I think. Yeah, exactly. I Yeah, I think they should. But like, will that happen? I don't know. Probably but, not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, it's good for me, I suppose, because uh, it does. It keeps me in work with private students coming or like. Yeah. We're not learning anything in school that I can I can apply to my bass or my guitar. So it's exactly, grand. yeah. I mean, that's the thing I noticed. Like I did the music theory in 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 for leaving cert, and but I taught myself bass, and there was no bridge in my mind. No, there's you not. Know? Like... So I was like, I don't get it. Like so, it wasn't until I went to like I asked for tips, and I remember you know going to see bands or whatever and asking the bass player who if there was a bass player that I loved. Like I'd be like, oh, how did you do that? Like, um. And uh, they'd be like, oh, just learn your modes. And I'm like, what are modes like? You know? <laughs> and then they'd try and explain it. And because so it, it all depends on how it's explained. And the thing about music theory, I, once I went to the ICMP, and I was taught by like Phil Mann, who, who's I know, really um, good at teaching. I, I do his seminars on SPL all the time. He's 
Yeah, he's some man for the dad jokes. He just be firing them out the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and he keeps you yeah. engaged. Like, that's, yeah, that's true. Well, like he is very good at explaining stuff. So. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, so he would, and then I, and then it all just kind of twigged in my mind, and then suddenly the, the 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 bridge was made, and then you know, so when it came to me doing my own harmony and theory column for Bass Guitar Magazine, I kind of like I remember that stuff, and and, and I remember going to because after I won the scholarship. The first right, the first editor of uh, when I won it, um, I forget, I forget his name now. Anyway, he was all like, uh, "Okay, as part of the scholarship, you have to write a scholarship um, column in the magazine every month." I was like, mm. "Oh my god, brilliant!" Now, the, the previous guys talked about what they were learning in, in in uni. I talked a little bit about that, but most of it was all like, "Cause I went now." I'm not. I, I don't say say like I'm a big big networker. I just love having a crack and going out for a load of points, right? <laughs> I'm just an Irish That's girl a, in London, yeah. you know. <laughs> kind of so I, like, I, I talked to uh, Paul Bush in an earlier episode. It's kind of like that. He when he got to America, he was just having to crack, and the jobs yeah. just kept coming in. Like it, exactly, it's not like oh, I'm out networking. I, I was just like I'm gonna go have a bit of crack with and, and make all these friends. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know it was just being Paddy who likes a couple of points, you know, and yeah. then you just make all these mates. And then um, so I was talking about all that stuff because I so I was like you know, oh. Uh, meeting up with like all the, like going for tea with Guy Pratt or something and all this cool stuff or you know <laughs> talking to John Paul Jones at the base show or, or getting a hug off Nate Watts from Stevie Wonder's so band this and, became your column and the the previous yeah. guys were very dry and kind of like I'm yeah, in college well, I don't want to say that okay, I'm well, not going to say that <laughs> no, but, but it was just it, it was practical advice but you took a different spin on it yeah I was just talking about the whole London thing, the whole yeah. experience. So when the new editor came in, Joe MacGyver, he was like, I like the way you write. And I like the way you kind of like throw yourself in these situations because I've am i got terrible FOMO. This year has been driving me mental. I'm like, <laughs> I need to be out and having a crack and backstage yeah. somewhere having a laugh, you know? And this didn't happen. So um, uh, so he liked that. So he offered me a job and then I started doing gear reviews. Don't like doing that anymore because like you can annoy, you can anger people. What do you mean not- my guitar is only four out of five stars and i'm like that's really <laughs> good though i mean what like i can't yeah. give everyone fun. and 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 also it's i'm not i'm not a huge gearhead i, I just know what i like mm. i don't so do I, gear reviews really on my channel either because i'm yeah. not really that into it like i wouldn't watch too many of myself like so yeah but not oh. only that i think it's a very subjective thing and it's mm. down to what you need and, and i know that i can get because of how my base is designed I can get everything I need out of that base, you know? Yeah. And if I need a lower register, I've got the five, which has got almost the same configuration as this, except it doesn't mm. have the hip shot. And, but it's got the same electronics, the same. I've got a, I've got a, a, a soap bar. I've got a bit of a music man pickup at the back just to give it extra oomph because it's a five. I just thought I'd give it a bit of more. Uh, well, boom. obviously, Joel really liked your style of writing because he gave you the, the chance to interview Geddy Lee, Tony yeah. Levin, Rhonda Smith, like some legends. Oh yeah, that was gas. Well, you see, I think I stopped doing the gear reviews after a while. I said, Joel, I don't like doing this anymore, right? Because I'm like, I'm annoying people and I'm not even, I'm not that much of a head, right? And then I, then he was like, right, do, I was doing interviews the whole time as well, anyway. And then I had my own Harmony Theory column and it was for beginners. And then we had a special bumper edition come out and then I did intermediate tapping because I like a bit of tapping. Yeah. So intermediate tapping stuff and slap stuff and theory. So I had that. And then after a while, he wanted it. He had too many. It was like too many people doing too many courses. So, mm. okay, you're doing harmony and theory, 
but it needs it, it, we need a bridge between that and techniques and so how about we just have one guy doing the beginners one guy doing it so then he was like look i'm gonna i'm gonna have you know steve lawson phil mann and Stuart clayton do all that then and yeah. i was like that made and, and i was like you know what that's a relief because there's only so much i can talk about like pentatonics like i mean there's only so much because every every month bunch of like, magazines down there I, want, I, was, I get them out after you're probably in one of them doing some of this stuff i mean yeah i mean a few of them like but uh <laughs> but uh so and then i and then i was like that ran out and i was like you know what thank god there's only so much i can say about that like yeah because then i started going out about modes and then and then people started saying to joel uh we don't understand what she's on about because I started just progressing into intermediate then. And he was like, no, yeah. you have to see with the beginners. And I'm like, yeah, but there's only so much I can talk about Ruth. I know. Third, fifth. It's hard, isn't it? Like, You know what I mean? It's <laughs> trying to make it, how much can I stretch the root note? You know what I mean? So I was like, ah. <laughs> so um, so I was relieved when that stopped, to be honest. Mm. And then he was like, all right, I'll have you exclusively doing interviews. And I love that because I'm definitely more into talking to people and, and, and being a people person and, and all like it was great crack last year I got I went to Ronnie Scott's and I had to interview Victor Wooden but I, it wasn't just him it was a, a panel it was him and all his brothers you know oh, Reggie yeah, and all Deadly. that so, and Future they were all, man. that's one of them isn't it yeah well they were all yeah and they were all there together and <laughs> I had to I had my dictaphone I had to get them to say hey this is Reggie talking yeah Ellen so it's kind of like and then they go off on one about <laughs> politics and all sorts of stuff and then I had to kind of bring them back to talking about because they were talking about how, because Victor was the youngest of them, and that mm. that was a cover story. And then the Getty Lee thing. That I'm I'm a lifelong Rush fan. Yeah. So when Joel rang me, says Ellen, are you up for doing the Getty interview? I was like, bloody hell, yes. Um, but he was like, look, I'll go with you, because you're such a fan, you might not be able to speak. <laughs> and I was like, I'll be fine. And I, when he walked in, so we went to this <laughs> hotel, like, and it was like a really really posh hotel in West London, like it was like Kensington or something yeah this beautiful like chandeliers tears of coffee and tea and cake and all that stuff and uh brought in by his agent and all that sit down you know and then Getty Lee's shown in and he's just exactly as he appears he's just real kind of like oh hey I want to you know hockey t-shirt like shuffling it like so down to earth so sound mad nerd to talk about bass you know and, <laughs> yeah he has and a book he out doesn't down. he in a big bass book or something he's mad that was that was what the interview was about okay. you know we weren't talking about rush too much you know and obviously neil was alive at the time but neil mm. didn't tell anyone that he was sick you know um but so it was just all about bases and and stuff like that and then it, uh, i got in a bit of so at first i was just like this and i was shaking and then joel <laughs> is so used to it like he was like hi getty so this is my writer Alan. he's like, oh please meet you and i was like <laughs> fucking hell like, i'm obsessed with you you know and then <laughs> sit down and um your name's Gary Lee Weiner. I know this. I know what your first dog was called. Like, I, I know everything about it. And I was just sitting there going, oh my God, there he is right there in front of me. This is mental. And then after a while, I just kind of calmed down. And then I was waffling to him. And then he was mm. just engaged with me. And then Joel sneakily got up and just started taking photos of me and him just chatting. And we're by the fireplace Brilliant. with a load of cake. And I love that photo. That's like, classic. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was, I I was about I, to ask, how did you prepare for that interview? But obviously, you know everything about Rush. <laughs> Yeah, I, did. I, I, I don't think I really did, like, you know, because I already, you know, I, I did a little bit of research on vintage basses because I knew his book was about that. But I kind of mm. knew a lot about that anyway. But, but I learned more from Getty. He really knows his stuff. He was going yeah. on about, like, the, the pickup, like, how pickups were wound in this one particular year. I think it was, like, 1974 of Defender Jazzes and it's that one year. And then his, 
and then his signature model and how it's based on that and all this stuff and that's like, so cool that, and then that... the e- socio-economic effects on the town where fender was based and all mm. this and i'm like yeah i don't know that much like i know what the split <laughs> pickup is man <laughs> sometimes you need that in an interview like because the listener will have the same knowledge as you so you're learning together instead of two people who know everything yeah. you're not coming along with them then like exactly yeah you're, yeah it was great and then uh joel at the, towards the end i was like oh god joel shut up like he was like oh by the way because i think i started talking about singing and playing bass and mm. he was like oh ellen's a fantastic singing bass player and he, he was like oh really i must check you out on instagram and i'm like oh, <laughs> okay, don't but yeah you're getting Lee, feck off. Like oh, that's class. <laughs> it's class. Did you ever actually try to do the the playing the keyboards with your feet that, like he does? You need Taurus pedals for that. Taurus pedals. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have I do play keys. Um mm. but no, I haven't. I mean I mean it's just like stomping on pedals. So I suppose you because when you with the thing with those pedals is they're like connected to a, like a chord. So when you when you hit it, you're playing it. Mm. I nearly bought one on adverts a few years ago. It came up like and I was like this is the most pointless thing I'll ever buy. I'll, I'll just leave it go. Yeah, I mean, if I was buying it, it would be for the crack more than that because I don't think I do. Like, I do get to play um on, on the musical show Operation Mince Me. I, there's some songs where we've got a techno vibe and I'm, and I'm on, the, I've got a Korg mini, mini Korg thing. Mm. So I'll use a bit of a synth for that. Like, yeah. But most of the time, I'm just on. Oof. Would you say like um, a session bass player should be able to play a little bit of the keyboard mini card just in case they need it for one of those gigs? Like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you should definitely, you should definitely. Have, I mean, like, like even a bit, a bit, and, and a bit of keys as well. It just helps you understand as well, like what you know. It just connects the the, the dots with the theory, you know. Mm. Um. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you definitely should be able to play a bit of synth. But you need a five string for those theater shows as well, don't you? A lot of the the music is written for t- five string. Yeah, depends on the show. I I know with Hamilton, there's a lot of five string crack going yeah. on in there, uh, you know. Um, but with Op Mints, they love they love me four string, and then mm. otherwise they just want me on the microcorg. So uh, so there's that, you know. And the weird thing is that the whole thing is on in ears. There's no amps. It's a silent okay. stage. Um, so some shows you have you have the band are like in the pit and you can't see them. Some shows the band are kind of hidden and you can kind of see them. Like, and we will rock you. Neil would be up. Uh, Neil Murray, by the way, he'd be up. Uh, he had me up with him. Like, I sat behind him, and while he was playing, I, I was like reading through the the score. Like, he was he he kind of introduced me to a load of cool heads up that up and that. Like, mm. and you can kind of see the band from where you are, you know. Um, but an operation mints me, and in the show six, uh, the music six the musical on the depth for that, mm. the band is on the stage. Yeah, so, uh, I, uh, we will rock you. I don't know. Oh. Was it Monsters of Rock or no that film that Tom Cruise did? Um the oh, Rock of version. Ages. Rock of Ages, yeah. The band are on stage for that one as well. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that. I don't know who's in that one, but yeah, some of them have that. Like, and for Battle of Hell, sometimes the band come out on stage and then they go back down to the pit. Or there's a scene, because my mate Hugh was in this and I was the bass player for that. And there's a scene where um they drive a Cadillac. They actually drive a Cadillac across the stage. And it goes into the pit, and then <laughs> and then the musicians have to go up a ladder, but up a little staircase behind, and walk out of the pit as if they've been hit by the Cadillac, and, and you know what I mean. All this <laughs> unbelievable. They even so, had like a pool on the stage. It was crazy. So you're enjoying discovering that whole new world of playing in musicals. It's a completely yeah. different thing, isn't it? Like it's totally, it's totally. But like in Operation Mince Me, it's based in World War Two, so we're all dressed as a. Uh, 
uh, as 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 1940s like secretaries, mm. except I'm the only girl in the band. So <laughs> the lads address secretaries as well. And I was sitting there going, Could you explain to people what it's about, just in case they're not wide to the story of Operation Mincemeat? All right. OK, so in World War Two, uh, the Allies, like, the, you know, the Brits and the Americans obviously were trying to get in there and and kick Hitler's ass. But like he I think I think it was a, was a Sardinia. He had all his troops in um, Sardinia, so they couldn't get up past him. They wanted to get up past him into Sardinia and get to Hitler and kick his ass, basically. Right. But Hitler knew that that was the weak part in Europe. So he had like thousands and thousands of people there. Can't remember exactly, but thousands of, of soldiers and stuff. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to redirect his troops to Spain, right? To this area called Huelva, right? And if they redirected him there, then they could get up past him in Sardinia, right? So this, this these two guys uh, came up with this plan of like um, finding a dead body, right? Finding a corpse of like a homeless guy dressing him up like a secret service guy, planting um, like a briefcase on him with all this top secret information about an invasion in, into, into Spain, right? And put my, what he did, I make it look like he crash landed mm. off the coast of Huelva in Spain. So what they did was they got this corpse, they, they, they planted on him, they even planted on him love letters to make him look authentic and stuff like this. Yeah. And, um, and top secret files, all this kind of crack, put him in the suit. The thing is, like he, he he was just some homeless guy that 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 this coroner had, mm. and but he was he was actually rotting. Like his face had actually begun to disintegrate oh, by the time God. he he was put in this special pod in a in a submarine. He was basically a giant flask that was mm. kept cold, and then they they let him out. They put him on the top of a the submarine and they dived and they and they let him kind of like float to the surface. Mm. He was found by the Spanish government. The Spanish Spanish government were kind of neutral. Franco, like, and all that. Yeah, but they, yeah. but some of them, but like they, this coroner who found him, tried to convince the British agent that that was there in uh, in Spain. Tried to say, look, like, just take this. We found these documents. Just take them. We pretend mm. we didn't see them. As in, we're doing you a favor, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All underboard. But your man was like, no, you you should have to you take the documents. All this, you know. So it's this whole cat and mouse thing. Eventually, he the Spanish. He said, "I have to turn it to the Spanish government." The Spanish government gave it to the Germans. Hitler totally believed it. Moved all his troops. The German, the Brits got all the way up Sardinia. End of World War Two, and it was just That's down class. to this mad plan by these two guys, you know. And he was Irish too. The homeless fella was actually Irish. You see, the thing is, I didn't know that like at <laughs> all until you said it. Yeah. So I, I texted the group, like, because you know, I'm in a group with the productions and all that. I was like, oh, I can't believe he was Irish. And they're like, whatever, Alan, he was dead. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, we like to get one connection in, you know, come on. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because the opening scene is them waving Union Jacks, and I'd be like, they're going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Irish? Where's that recognition in this Exactly. Story? So now but... I'm just going to rub it in. Oh, the actual corpse was a paddy. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, well, that's probably why his face was melted, like. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to listening to that now. Is there? There's probably loads of tasty bass parts because oh, it is. These guys who write these musicals, they obviously th they know how to write for bass, and there's always really cool parts. Like, yeah, well, Felix is a great like he plays everything. Like he's a great bass player. Like I mean, mm. when I when we take our break because we do like a matinee show, then an early show, then an evening show, so we'd have like three shows in a day and a weekend, and in between shows we were just hanging around the theater, 
And I often caught like Felix looking about me basically and he'd be doing all this wolf pack stuff and I'd be like, give that back. You're like, sorry. <laughs> you and you're, you're like Prince, like. And um, but yeah, but the thing about that musical is it's kind of it's it's modern, but it's still got the musical theater vibe. So it's key changes, time mm. signature changes the whole time. It's it's all very interesting, you know. Um, but the thing is, because we, we were like Felix and the team were kind of rewriting the show right up until the night of, of the opening night like it was literally right until the opening night that lines were changed and musical segments were changed and musical segments were invented no we need an intro for that just invent it and I was like okay suddenly I'm doing this random thing that just happened that day that's brilliant yeah I mean it's changed again and it changed again for each time so um <laughs> so I'm always in touch with the MD Felix like was that new you know what I mean just to get ahead of the curve because you mm. get there and it's like oh we've completely rewritten this part and like, it's now in five, now in five four <laughs> um, and there's five Thanks. key changes great uh so I didn't bother writing it down, you know what I mean? So I just committed it all to memory and I just oh, had really? like little, little notes. So, I mean, it's not very zappable. Like if I don't do the show, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind it's of your like... Gig, it's your gig for life, so like... Yeah, it's just in my head, like... But but the drummer, he, he he you know, he was he was always charting out, constantly mm. charting out, like... And I didn't do any of that. And I'd be like sitting around drinking tea and he's like charting out again on Sibelius <laughs> and on a break. And, but after we did the, the most recent... Uh, run of it um we were asked by we were taken by this new company called avalon and they were like we need we want to pay you the prs for the transcriptions and mm-hmm. he already had the transcription i didn't do any so i had to start from the beginning and i was oh. like oh, how am i going to this because it's so complicated like it's horrible alias <laughs> for ages just trying to work it out and then oh what am i doing there and then trying to work out what i was actually playing because a lot of it you know i'd be throwing in my own kind of licks mm. and then It'd be listening to recordings of the show and then sometimes it might do something slightly differently yeah like, but, and even the, some of the rhythms you, you'd have done on the yeah. on the fly then you're trying to transcribe what the hell is that rhythm I'm, i did exactly but a lot of music it's it's so cool but musical theater stuff it's a lot of music is connected to the the vocal line or mm. lines or parts of, that are in the show like you'll, you'll play a certain way because they're, they're having a fight or you play kind of softly because they're having yeah. a, rom- there's a rom- you know it's it's really cool mm. and then it was all about dynamic dynamics as well i mean a lot of people forget how important that is like bring it up play softly and play with feel and and be conscientious of what's happening know when not to play yeah. you know all this kind of crack as well like you know so but it's a great show but there's a song on on spotify spit lip um I, i'll think i'll send you a link uh Ew. it's called dear bill i i play on i play on everything else except this one song called dear bill where it's just piano and it's beautiful because it's about this they're trying to write the love letter for mm. the, the dead guy, you know, and uh, and it's and the woman who's writing it, she's this older lady and she had lost her husband. So she's kind of writing it as if she's talking about her husband. And it's just, oh, my God, everyone would be crying in the front row. And for the first couple of shows, I'd be crying every single time. And I'd be like, right, yeah, you know, I, I, we're on the stage. People could see me just go, right. <laughs> and the drummer would be laughing at me. <laughs> That's cool. Beautiful. That's yeah. a fair play. Like that, that sounds like a fun show. I, I'm holding out for War of the Worlds. I want to play bass on War of the Worlds because I absolutely love that musical. Your man Herbie Flowers did all the bass. You know the guy oh, he wrote class. the he wrote the bass line to Walk on the Wild Side. That guy. Yeah. Do do. Yeah. Yeah, but um, he plays bass on the War of the Worlds Jeff Wayne thing, and it's just crazy ba- play, bass playing. It's brilliant. Class. He would have played with he played with Bowie as well. Yeah, he probably would have done yeah. a bit with him as well. I think he did. Yeah. Um. 
Another musical bass lines I love, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, they're so difficult. There's so there you need a lot of chops for that that one. I, I actually tried to learn a few of them. Like Yeah, we had to do that in uh in the ICMB. We had because the way the course is structured, the degree then I went on to do a degree, is you'll have like a few weeks of musical theatre. And we did a few other shows, but but Jesus Christ Superstar was my favorite because it was just so it was like 70s. Yeah, it's busy. The bass lines in are very busy, like yeah it's good I, I i totally missed the whole i a lot of my favorite bass players are lads from the 70s like early queen john deacon class yeah he's so class. melodic and kind of all over the place but not in a getting it in the way mm. it, it complements it like a like that bass line and you're my best friend then he wrote that song as well didn't he that, that was one yeah. of his songs yeah oh so yeah yeah it all like yeah it is class and what about your singing um did you ever do any singing lessons in the bass magazine or was that just at the London bass show you were doing clinics yeah. with how to sing and play the bass? Like, Yeah, I didn't do that for the magazine because like I wasn't asked to, but for the for the clinics. Yeah, because they're basically um, the last. Now, I didn't do the show before the year before because I was sick with the, the old big C or whatever. But then and then I stopped doing stuff for Music Man because I slide off to Sandberg. So. Yeah, you can't. I mean, when it comes to endorsements, you, they don't really want you to be endorsed by many people. And I can certain imagine, companies. Like, they're like, we're giving you free stuff, use our stuff. Yeah, so Music Man, we're really happy. So I'm not, I'm no longer endorsed by Music Man. But like with, with um, Sandberg, they're more open. They're, they, they understand that at the end of the day, you can't only play one instrument. Like, no, you, you just can't. No. Um, but since I switched to this, because it's so, uh, um, so many variables but it's so uh versatile like versatile is the word exactly i was the word i was looking for because it's so versatile i i don't really need anything else you know what i mean so mm. uh but if i wanted to play a vintage jazz i could but i can get the same sound out of that you know what i mean yeah. so i don't particularly want it so i'm just really happy out with them um no they asked me then the bass show it was joel asked me he said look would you be up for doing some master classes and i was like in like what will i do and he says it's up to you whatever you want to do and I was like, okay, well, singing and playing bass, that's my thing. I can do that. Like, and I can kind of explain what it, what, how to do it and stuff. Um, and, but then the, their marketing team got back to me and they said, no, we want you to do two completely different classes. And I was like, oh, what am I, what am I going to do? Like how to do an Irish accent while playing bass? I don't know. <laughs> so I was thinking, how well, a lot of times. session and network. <laughs> yeah. How, networking versus the sesh. How do you do it? <laughs> Mixing them. <laughs> The sesh always, you know, and uh, actually Keith Duffy will, I don't know if he'll appreciate me telling you this story, but one time we, we, we got given out to it in Ronnie Scott's for being too loud and drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, he didn't say, we didn't talk about drinking at all. Now, so oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's all well behaved these days, but like yeah. me and him would like, we'd, meet, we'd always meet up when he was in London and we went for a few pints and ended up in upstairs in Ronnie Scott's and it was like a jam session, but they were playing all this like neo soul and people mm, were really cool. listening. I mean, him, two really noisy Irish people waffling about bases and shit, like in the corner, <laughs> going, oh, I don't know how I feel about the new fenders. And Shh, guys, be quiet, you know? We're like, let's leave. <laughs> let's just find a pub. I bet so, if they yeah. recognised you, like, as as well-known bass players, like, oh, it's okay. There, if it was, like, Victor Wooten at the bar making loads of noise, like. Yeah, nice. they probably Go wouldn't on. care. Like, but, yeah, it was more, I think it was more of a singer's night anyway. So yeah. they, they just had a house band and a load of singers. And singers... Nine times out of ten, don't give a shit about us. <laughs> no, know? they don't. <laughs> you know, so um, that's why I like being a singer because I care. So uh, 
So I decided, because Paul Geary was doing masterclass as well. And I remember afterwards talking to Paul. He plays for Nick Kershaw and Tony Hadley and all that. He's fantastic. He, I remember going for a lesson with him and he was like, okay, we're going to look at improvisation over a chord chart. So here's a chord chart. And it was the As Stevie Wonder song cover by Mary J. Blige and George Michael. And he says, because I remember the session, I had to come up with that. And I'm like, well, he played bass in it. Hey, class. Basically. Anyway, clang like another cl- deadly. And then, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Paul got to do the same class twice, but they, w- I didn't know that was an option because they told me I couldn't. So the next day, I kind of did. I decided to do band leading as a bass player because a lot of the time, I do a lot of trio bands and I, I lead the band. Like, but in particular with my Irish band, the Odd Mollies, mm. they don't know what's going on half the time. So fair dues yeah. to Danny Nolan on drums and Sarah Michelle guitar because like I improvise a lot of the time. I'm like I, I start throwing in medleys and all that, and they're just they just have to watch me. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're know? really. I've seen both of them play. They're class musicians, so we have to keep up. Yeah, but Danny's always always watching me, you know. And 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 Sarah, at, at first didn't so much, but then now she knows the crack. She's like, you have to watch Ellen because I got God knows what she's going to make me do. Like you know, <laughs> don't be so, watching the telly in the back of the room. You you, you get lost. Yeah. You have to watch me, like, you know, because then I'd be like, all right, bring it down or all right, bring it up or get ready to stop, stop, you know, all this kind of crack. So I did a band leading thing. But when I did that masterclass, they all just asked about singing and playing anyway. They, they, mm. they kind of wanted to. And some people had come from the class before and they wanted to talk about that again, you know. Yeah. So it was a hit, like loads of people. Came but it in is a did. very um, it's a specific thing playing because play the bass goes one way, but sometimes the vocal line might go another. So they need someone like you to maybe put them on the path how to get started like exactly and also it's one of the most employable things mm. you know to be able to sing and play you know i mean that's that's the game changer that's why I, like i got that's what happened like when i get certain gigs it's because i can sing and play you yeah. know and i can harmonize i can do loads of bbs all that crack mm. so I, um i find it's it's not so hard if the rhythm is the same as what, what you're singing to what you're playing but if the rhythm is off to what you're singing and playing yeah that's totally. why like like so in that master class I, I i did stuff that like so if it has a consistent rhythm like uh, on that video there's a video float, floating around on youtube of that but i'm doing i wish i one. wish i saw you doing that yeah yeah so that's okay do, yeah do, it's busy do, 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 do. <laughs> so, yeah it's yeah. busy but it's under your hands i mean mm. if you if you don't do all the little extra bits that might that Nate does if you just keep with the actual bass line also don't overcomplicate things when you're playing the bass if you're going to sing as mm. well because you don't you're you're responsible to the rest of the band so don't overcomplicate just do the bass line you know what I mean don't do yeah. all the extra bits so um just keep the bass line consistent right do 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 because it's it's a consistent rhythm you know so yeah. you can do it once you get into muscle memory you can do what I'm thinking about and play it in a, in a way that is easy so I play it up here so it's easy Rather than overcomplicating a playing playing up the neck, mm. you know, because then you have to kind of change position. Keep it handy, you know. Use your open strings. Yeah. So I, I do that, and then singing, and then getting into the habit of like trying to talk to someone while you're playing it. Yeah. You know, and then starting to kind of hum the melody, and then trying to sing, you know. Mm. And then once, and then and then you'll find that you can have that. But then you can, and then you can challenge yourself more with something that has a little bit more. Uh, independence uh, uh, yeah, yeah well movement and a little bit more improvised stuff so mm-hmm. maybe some um uh motown stevie stuff mm-hmm. you know 
So if I want, in my life where you have to kind of add a bit of pizzazz to it, a bit of Jamerson, then singing over that. That, yeah. that that's the next level. And then the ultimate level, I think, is when it's all weird syncopated rhythms and stuff. Roxanne by Police is mm. a perfect example, I think, because it's rock, but but um, you don't have to put, but you know. Yeah, I think Sting is the top level when it comes to singing and playing weird bass lines at the same time. I think so because of because he doesn't do it's not the same it's not going with mm. rhythmically it's not going with you know it's not it doesn't matter so much the notes well the notes obviously matter but what i mean it's not gonna trick you up too much it's mm. the rhythms yeah so it's 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 all oh, is crack it is that so, um, definitely yeah but in that song you've got the offbeats and then you've got pushes as well and then you've got weird timey bits so that you know that stuff or any a lot of uh police stuff would yeah. be like that and i so think I with think, philo as well he does in Tin Lizzy, he's has real personality in his voice while he's singing the bass. Like he does yeah. those philoisms, no bother to him. Like exactly, you know, like he's nearly talking as well. But also, he's he's doing a, a, another technique again, playing solidly with a plectrum, but he's also playing great lines. So that's that's another thing. So mm. uh, I think a lot of bass players, most bass players, tend to be more finger style, and playing with a plectrum might be a little bit weaker, you know, because you don't get to do it as much. But mm. that's so that's another. Uh, so if you want to get up your your plec from playing while singing, look at the Tin Lizzy stuff and and the Philo stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those are the levels, but you know, but I'm, I'm but yeah, start with a kind of like a baseline that's that you just know that without having to think about it, and then try and talk over. Because I I remember the magazine they sent me over to Germany to the Warwick Base Camp years ago, and it was mad. It was like a I had to interview loads of heads that day. Like I'd interview like Stu Ham and David Elson from Megadeth and Rhonda and, and, and Divinity Rocks and all these houses all day just in this room all these rock stars coming in like <laughs> Gary Willis it was lovely Chuck That's Rainey so came cool. in and I was like I just want to hug you man give me a hug <laughs> you know so having a crack with them and then and every evening there'd be like there was like a bar they had on the place the, in the factory there's a big bar and like a stage and everyone's up jamming and having the crack like it was deadly Um, but I went and then one of the other days I got to go to their, their master classes and I remember being in Rhonda's, Rhonda, uh, no, Divinity Rocks' master class and hers was all about singing and playing. Yeah, she and does she, rapping and everything and plays. Like. Yeah, and she was, what she did was she got people, okay, does everyone know the bass line to, it was something simple, um, it was something like Stand By Me or something, okay, can everyone play Stand By Me and she'd get everyone to play a bit, right, okay, and then she'd go to someone, okay, play Stand By Me, and then she'd be like, right, so what did you have for your breakfast? And they're like, uh, um, I had eggs. And then, you know, and then she kept doing that until they were able to talk. And she was like, that's the first step. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Like, mm. And then I remember going to Rhonda, Rhonda, I was going to say Rhonda Skits. That's a punk tribute. No? Rhonda Smith's class. And Rhonda was all like, she was going on about how the interconnectedness of scales, like the, the you know, the, the positions of the pentatonic and how, and that was like another cog just went in my brain because mm. it was like it was like you know because I, I think it's the way it's taught some people like they teach okay yeah you can most you can you can use them for their own value like Lydian has a certain sound you know and like Dorian has a certain sound or whatever right and Mixolydian uh, and all that right but they're also a brilliant pathway to knowing every, every where no matter where you knowing your entire fretboard because they're all mm. connected you know what yeah. I mean 
And then within that connection, it's not almost like a web. It's like if someone got tracing paper and they put it over your fretboard and they say, right, you're in the key of G, these are the shapes. And it goes all the way up your neck. What happens after 12th fret? It just happens all the way again, mm -hmm. back up your neck and move it depending on what key you are in. Yeah. But they're all, it's like a jigsaw. And then within that jigsaw, you've got your pentatonics, right? And then within the pentatonics, you've got your, your four note arpeggios and then you've got your three note arpeggios. And it's all, and it's all. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's when you can apply them to different things. But if you want to know, like, where you can go within a set key, modes are also like the, the roadmap for your mm -hmm. whole fretboard, you know? So that's, that's how I look at it. Then suddenly you can, you're, you're breaking out of that box. You're, you've got the whole neck then. Now you yeah. can just uh, haven't practiced in ages. I mean, and have you worked as an educator, like in front of classes and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was teaching in um, BIM Brighton for a while. Mm -hmm. and then but like i was living in london so it was like a two-hour commute so after a while i was like ah it's, uh, you know what i mean for a say for a few classes i was like ah, it's not really worth no. it you know so but i was doing i enjoyed that and then um i was teaching well i do kind of like i do all the auditions for vocalists and bass players well not all the auditions quite a lot of them for vocalists and bass players at the icmb now so um they come in and they have to get by me i i tell them what course they can get on so their theory needs to be at a certain level if they want to yeah. get on the bachelor degree in music but if but if it's at a different level then they go on to the higher diploma or if they are a bit more creative and they want to do a bit more production stuff then they go on to the bachelor of arts degree or whatever mm -hmm. but i'm 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 their first port of call to determine what course to get to go on like you know so kind of and thing. a music man still doing that um scholarship thing does that still happen uh, no i don't think it is now no i don't think it is and i remember for the vocalists sure would be endorsing them mm. well not endorsing them but um offering them to pay for their course but yeah. uh, i don't i don't know if that's happening anymore i'm not sure it was running for a couple of years like there were a few more scholarship winners after me and then uh, i'm not sure i don't think so that's cool so what what's your plan obviously next year i think things are going to start opening up are you're going to are you going to stay in ireland or go back to london um or you don't even know uh, i'm my plan is to be half and half now because um there's kind of more opportunities in london uh, London's quite open as well like I've noticed that you know I mean it's kind of everyone's kind of set Ireland's so s I love Ireland don't get me wrong but it's quite small you know <laughs> careful <what> I mean? <laughs> now uh, oh Jesus you know? I know I love it it's, but it's quite small it's quite a small knit yeah. thing you don't get a call not... like for things like I never I, I've been in the original band for 10 years and I've never almost never once got a call to do a session ratting and I don't know it yeah. just doesn't happen in Ireland it's very it is small like isn't it yeah it's not it's not so easy to get you know what I mean? It's it's quite the guys who have the gigs, they have they have them, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it's it's not quite so open. Like the the, the, the random calls and all that stuff tends to happen more in it. There's just not as much city. gigs happening, I suppose, is probably the reason. So then there's less chances of a call coming as well. Like, yeah, maybe, yeah. But I just noticed that when I went to London, it just kind of opened up. Like everything mm -hmm. just exploded up, and suddenly I was just asked to do cool things. And, and yeah, it all like magazine masterclasses, teaching musical theater like original stuff sessiony stuff going into a studio whatever all that it didn't really happen so much in ireland you know mm. what i mean it did a little bit before i left you know but not a whole lot got to do a bit of tv stuff but there was a little bit more just more opportunities you know yeah. um so my plan is to be half and half because i, I want to build build stuff up back home as well you know personal reasons that i'm all in love here and <laughs> <laughs> that's good mom's, good to hear <laughs> yeah you know mom's getting on all this kind of stuff so yeah. it's I, I, 
So I've got my Irish band here now as well. So I'm working to the odd mollies. So I'm building that stuff up. Yeah, great band. They checked you. I saw your promo thing. You did really good. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. So building up to get some gigs with that. I want to do original stuff with that. It's just, it's so hard to get the heads together, you know, mm. the two of them, you know. Um, sometimes we get together we just talk about boys so it's like <laughs> hey get a so good producer um, I don't know if you know Philip McGee he's absolutely amazing producer in Ireland he work, he's just he'll get songs out of any band he's awesome yeah I, I'd love if hook me up with him I'd love to do stuff because I do come up with like most of the time when I'm writing music though I tend to kind of write joke songs when I'm doing comedy but yeah but um I do have other stuff too the joke songs just... come easy. I used to be in a funk metal band and the music was brilliant the lyrics were horrendous all joke lyrics like. <laughs> we, uh, we just couldn't take it seriously well, that's better that's more fun you know yeah uh so um yeah but then I've got I've got the musical theater stuff coming up like six and operation Mince me and every now and again some other random things come in and I play with an artist called Erica she's class and a few other random things and and the ICMP and and all that so I, I there's just more when things are normal there's more things just come flying in in london mm-hmm. so I, my plan is to be half here half there so when i go back i'll find a new rental room somewhere and yeah do all that like so that's Brilliant. that's kind of my goal that'll work great i, I think yeah. you'll you'll fly it and are you going to be still doing some articles for base the new whatever what's it called now base magazine base uk player. base player base UK. player uk yeah that that'll be launched soon. I think in the next issue or two, it'll be launched officially as Bass Player UK. And how is is it still popular? The the physical bass magazine world, like, is it still going good? Because I hope it never dies out. Because I love yeah. a physical bass magazine. Oh yeah, we also it's also online as well. But everything mm. I write for one goes also into the American one as well. Oh cool. And then I also before this virus happened, I got talking to um. Uh, Mark Smith from TalkingBase.com. You know, it's like it's like SBL, but it's it's a different. Oh, I know the guy. He always has like a really white background, kind of. Yeah, that, green white hair as well. White hair as well. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah he's good. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, he, I'm a friends with him, right? And and you see, for the last previous two years, I've always gone off over to Nam in LA for like with Sandberg or whoever, like, and and I just buzzed about. And while I was there, Joel would be there, and he'd have me go off and do interviews and stuff while mm-hmm. I was there. So, um, and Mark kind of came up with this idea for Talking Bass magazine when things, because I'm based in London and then we'll be based here and I always go to Nam, that I become like an interview, do video interviews yeah, with all these famous bass heads for Talking Bass magazine and also our TalkingBass.com. And he also wants me to go to his place in, in the Isle of Man eventually. And we were going to work, stay there for a few days and we're going to film and work out and film a whole course about how to sing and play bass brilliant because nobody's really doing it <laughs> i'm just smiling when you said the isle of man because i just saw on the news there the other day did you see that this oh. guy he was a builder and he went to the isle of man to fix some whatever like and he fell in love with this girl but then the contract was up so he had to come back to scotland and um he, he kept applying to be allowed to go back to the isle of man to see the girl and <laughs> they didn't let him so he got a jet ski never drove a jet ski in his life and drove to the Isle, uh, on the jet ski to the Isle of Man. Oh, <laughs> and he man. got arrested. He's in serious trouble over it. Oh, uh, yeah, I have, I have heard that. That's just cute, though. So don't go don't go on a jet ski to the Isle of Man. Wait till you're allowed to go. No, I'll wait till we're all vaccinated and everything's yeah. cool. But yeah, so so that's in the pipe, pipeline and random other things. And, uh, and also, I love doing stand-up, so I want to keep doing that as well. And 
And who knows, maybe I'll become like Bill Bailey and incorporate all the music. Yeah, stuff definitely. Come, together, you should I do think. it in Cork. Do a bit of stand. They have a nice uh, club in Collins. Uh, every every few weeks, they do a comedy thing there as well. Like, oh yeah, are you based down in Cork? Uh, no, I'm in Tip, but uh, my girlfriend lives in Cork, so I'd be down there a good bit. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, so. cool. Oh yeah, well, I'll definitely let you know because we did Roshi and Doves there recently, and um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm that is my plan. I want to be doing that as well. Brilliant. Well, I think. You're going to have a cl- that's a lot of stuff you have that more than enough to keep you busy. Yeah, well, I like being busy. That's why 2020 was so hard. I I, I, I was really busy this thoughts. year with education and so all that side of things. So next year I hope to do more kind of writing and original stuff and original music. Like, yeah, deadly. Well, where Jazz. can people check you out actually before we sign off? Uh, yeah, okay. My website, ellenoreillymusic.com. It's eventually it's going to become ellen-oreilly.com but and it's uh, a really good website i was complimenting well, you on that before like it was yeah. it's just clean and you can find everything you need to find yeah thanks well i'm going we jazz it up and i i was keeping the comedy stuff separately and i'm writing it i'm script writing for a tv show as well now as well so i'm doing all sorts of random stuff but like <laughs> I kind of I was going to keep it all separately, but now that I'm writing as well, I'm like I should just have one website. So but eventually, like, the people I'm someone have, said to me I should have a separate thing for the podcast, but I'm like, eh, no, this is what I'm doing, and this is who I am, and I'll just keep it on the same thing. Like, no, keep it on the same thing because it's still base related. So I, yeah. I'm what I'm going to do is I'm eventually going to get rid of ellenoreillymusic.com and have ellen-oreilly.com and just have all the random stuff I do because it, why not? Like? Yeah, because I'm becoming more and more random, so it has to all be at one place. Because, yeah, I'm known as a bass player and a singer, but I'm also writing scripts and writing shows, kind of writing a book. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm the, all this madness, journalism. <laughs> so I have to, like, have it just just under my name because otherwise I'm, I don't know what the hell I am. <laughs> Very random. That's so, like your slogan, Ellen O'Reilly, <laughs> a random person. Yeah, you go for a few pints of me, you'll wake up in a shed, you know, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just wake up with terrible hangovers these days so <laughs> I just stay away from stuff as best I can oh <laughs> uh, well well if I'm ever in Tip or Cork I'll let you know we'll we'll have a few shenanigans 